0: Good morning, everyone. How about this weather we're getting? Isn't it beautiful? I love it. I love just, man, just watching watching everything come to life again. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? And uh, so I, again, too, I want to this week, as we did last week, greet our online our online community. Uh, we want to welcome you to the to church in general, into community. And uh, again, comment below, check in, let us know you're there. We had several people checking in. Thank you, guys, from First Service. I'm watching. I'm checking it out. And we have a team, a go team of hosts there for you as well. So if if anything, if God is doing anything in your lives, we want to know. And online, but also right here. And that that's why the connect card is well is so important in the seat back in front of you we want to know what God's doing in your life because we are really truly engaged in what God is doing for you your, your spiritual journey we want to be a part of that growth as well and so part of that growth is going to be one day some of those people in the back are going to move to the front and we're going to have some <laughs> I love my folks back there well, uh, I want to remind you, if you have not been water baptized, water baptism is going to be on Easter, or we call it Resurrection Sunday, in two weeks from now, at the 9 a.m. service. So if you've been sprinkled, that wasn't it. You've got to be fully immersed, baptized to be fully immersed in water, and it's a spiritual, not a religious, it's a spiritual discipline, and I promise you, it will affect your life for a long term, without a doubt. This week is First Wednesday. We always get together as a big family on First Wednesday, 6 p.m. right here. We have a food truck this week, as we normally do. We've got a powerful message coming, and we're gonna have a great time. Beautiful weather. Kids get to come out, have a good time. They get their message, and then we go out and we just have a family fun. And so you don't have to leave, but we're leaving. You can stay as long as you want. At some point, we're gonna leave. Uh, we we want to. I want to. I told you last week I would remind you about the, uh, or let you know about our mission trip that we went on. I, I had to give Jessica a little bit of time, the lady who, uh, the, uh, who builds our videos. And so we made a video for you. We just want to show you kind of the work that you were praying for, we were investing in together, and then some of the team was able to do. So here we go. <laughs> And some of the best kids in the world right there. And so in the green, the little green building with some of the pinkish uh, uh, colors in it, uh, uh, borders or whatever. We're going to help them add another classroom. To actually, we're going to help resource. They have plenty of fathers that are in the community that are going to do that. That's the community where we actually get our coffee beans for our Thrive Cafe. And so we purchased all of our coffee. We came back loaded with 250 pounds of beans and so and didn't even get stopped. Like, like Not once did any customs agent say, what you got in those bags? That's so uh, strange, but okay. And so we 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 buy them from there, we help their parents keep a job, we uh, have a relationship with the the owner, the plantation owner as well, and so he helps us in our coffee shop, and then we use a portion of the proceeds that when you guys buy coffee here then we give back to the community to, through education for the, to these kids, so when we go, we buy all kinds of school supplies and things for the teachers and for the students, and then we bring some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and some soda and churros, some chips, they call them churros, chips, and so we just have a big time with them, and uh, actually, Lexi, who's uh, one of our youth, taught them how to pray. That was really cool, yes, amen. <laughs> So that was, she, she didn't let, she's 13 years old and she's in there teaching these kids how to pray and so it was a great, a great experience. So we're talking today, we're in our, our series, Pastor Cass got us kicked off a couple of weeks ago in, and we're the joy of enduring, the joy of enduring, and this is what Jesus went through that last week, Samana Santa Holy Week, and knowing that the cross was coming, He endured for the joy that he saw beyond the cross. And that is an example that Jesus set for us to know that there's a greater joy than sometimes what we're focused on. There's a greater joy to life. There's a greater joy to to giving life away because that's really when you start to live is when you're giving life away for the sake of others. There's a greater joy, and yet we still have to endure some trying times, some struggles, some difficulties, some things that our human nature, humanness struggles with and doesn't like and all these things. And so Jesus, in the example, some of the last things that he did was said, Hey, we can do this. It's going to be all right. And so this day that we're talking about today, we started on Sunday. That was that was Palm Sunday when Jesus came in riding on a donkey. Uh, the lady had come into the house and uh, anointed Jesus with perfume or spikenard. Scripture says, and Judas got all upset because they could have been spent, that could have been sold for a, a year's worth of wages and spent serving the poor. But Judas really wasn't worried about the poor. He was more concerned about the money. And, and it's funny how when authority shows up, somebody gets offended. And so Judas is offended by this. And, and Jesus was teaching him through that nonetheless and teaching us as well. Comes in riding on a donkey, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. All the disciples started a rally. The crowd gathered in because they knew this was a prophecy of their Messiah to come into Jerusalem. This had been prophesied and written about in the Old Testament. So they were looking They were looking, it's very important, they were looking to see the day that the Messiah would come. And so it was easy for them to drop everything, run out into the streets and say, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, bringing palm fronds. That's where that comes from. When you'll see next Sunday, it's actual Palm Sunday, palm fronds and bringing them and laying them down. It's a sign of worship, hands being raised and worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, what they were doing. Well, they were like, wait a minute. That's not the Messiah. I, that, I, that's, that's not the Messiah. I, we know Him. And so Jesus continues the next, that night into the next day. That's the fig tree moment and the temple moment that we talked about last week. The fig tree was as an example of Israel. And when Harry, he said, "The fig told the fig tree, says he cursed it, and it withered down. There was no fruit on it. it was just really leafy. We talked about that last Sunday. Really leafy, looked really pretty, but no fruit. And that was a sign of Israel, really religious, but no fruit in their faith. No fruit were they producing. And so that was a sign for the people uh, the fig tree was. And then that same day, he goes into the temple. He had been there the night before observing everything that everybody was doing. And then he comes back the next morning a little upset. And so he comes in, and he says, "We talked about stop the traffic." He realized that people were just using the temple as a thoroughfare. Using the pre- the temple as, a, as an example was an example of the presence of God. He was using this to say, "Hey, stop!" They they were using this as a, for their own advantage, for for what they wanted. Out of the temple, what they wanted, let me say it this way, for what they wanted from the presence of God. They were manipulating and misusing for their own personal gain. And he says, Stop the traffic, stop this. And so later, the fig tree was withered. Going to the next day is where we'll pick up in Matthew 21. And it says, Jesus entered the temple courts. And while he was teaching, this is he's coming back now. He had gone, he had had messed up with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the people. They were their money changing, their money making schemes. He had messed it up and he comes back to the temple, temple courts. And while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things, they asked. Who gave you authority? You see, they were, he was messing with what they had built in the community of. They had risen up and established that they are the authority. Now somebody was messing with their game. Messing with their authority. <laughs> And Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question, and if you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I am doing these things. John's baptism. Where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? And they discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why, why, didn't, why didn't you believe me? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they gathered together and they said, hmm, we're going to outsmart him. I think we were, there's enough of us, that we've got enough wisdom, that this one man could never stump us in this. And so they, said, they decided to say to Jesus, we don't know. The safe play. Isn't it interesting how, how those wordsmiths all, all want to play the game of mind madness and we don't know we shift it back let you you tell us we are in the authority we are in control and then he said well neither will i tell you what authority i'm doing these things trump card played back jesus realized he said he he was letting them know "I, i don't i don't have to answer i'm still mad about john the baptist but i don't have to answer because i am the authority and when you're in authority you know that you have the answers to the gaps that the people that he was questioning and that were questioning him. He has the answers to the gaps of the things that they don't understand. You've ever been, been in a place and you've had a conversation. You're having a conversation with somebody who who understands things from a, a a different perspective, and you think you got the right answers, but they're helping you find the correct, the right solutions, the answers to the problem. They're helping you problem solve, and and. Because they have a, a greater understanding of what's going on in life. Here's the deal. Jesus knew, oh, you, these guys were trying to figure out what he already knew because he is the righteousness. He was representation of the righteousness of the kingdom. And so everything they were confused about, he already had the answers and he knew it. They were confused. They were confounded. They were trying to figure out what authority are you doing this upon? And there is no authority above the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so at some point or points in our lives, every one of our lives, we're going to have to wrestle with this fact that Jesus is Lord. There may be multiple times because there's a time when you finally come to that conclusion. Okay, I I give it up. I can't do this. Jesus, you are Lord. I, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. But then that's going to be tested along life as trials start to emerge and come about, and we want to do it our own way because we think we have the right answers. Y'all following me now? We think we have the right answers, and it's going to come to a place where we have to grasp, grapple with this idea of: Is Jesus Lord over this situation in my life too? And then there's another situation that comes about where we try to do it our own way. And for some reason, we just keep up ending up beating our heads against the wall or in a cycle of life. Oh, man, is Jesus Lord over my life in this area as well? And so this is a a cycle of grappling with who is the Lord of our heart? Who is the Lord? Who has the throne of my heart? And I love how these religious folks were just demanding answers. We demand answers. Give me the answer. What is the answer? And oftentimes we think Jesus is the answer, man. You need to give me an answer, God. Why, God? Why did this happen, God? As if we are the Lord. And he is the one who we he he must we must answer to him or he must answer to us. We demand, we make these demands. Why, God? as if we're in a place of authority, but sometimes we we put ourselves there. Why, God? Give me the answer. Why, God? But if you follow the scripture, you'll see that Jesus most oftentimes answers a question with the right question. He guides us, he he was guiding the Pharisees and Sadducees in that day to the right response, right solution, with the right questions, And so often people are demanding, I need an answer, Lord. I need an answer, Lord. I need an answer for this, Lord. Lord, please tell me. And then Jesus responds, well, I have a question too. Why? Because he is the ultimate authority. And it's interesting how when we're in that spot, we're beginning to hear from the Lord. He asks us a question that causes us to think on a higher level than what we previously were thinking. He draws us into the right solution. He draws us into the right direction. He draws us with questions, and it's so profound that it just has a, an, an, a life-changing impact on your soul. You're like, wow. And if you've never had that experience with the Lord, I want to encourage you to lean in through Scripture, through prayer, and time with Him, and worship, because the deep, the, the, the challenging the, the stressful things, the longing things that are down in your soul that you're asking for answers or demanding answers for, he's waiting, and he's got the right question to ask you so that you can go on a discovery to have the right solution, and it all comes from him. It's profound. On Saturdays, I've been taking a little bit more time, and now that the, the weather is beautiful outside and sitting on our, our porch and we have a, a little green area lawn. We got some goats over here that are just kind of pets, and, and then a, a pond out front. And just enjoying, I'm meditating on this Psalms 23, the promise, or so a promise of God that He leads us behind, leads us to green pastures, and rivers of are living and sets us by living water and the Lord restores my soul, and so I, I ponder that as, as I'm sitting on my front porch, and I'm looking over all everything becoming, uh, the grass becoming green, the green pasture, the, the water, the wind moving across the water, and I'm just allowing God to restore my soul in preparation for you on Sundays, and so uh, I, yesterday morning, we were, we were, uh, Allie and I were, had been talking about some trees that we have, and Allie's like, when are you going to, when you go pull those trees up, they're dead, they've been dead for two years, I'm like, Allie, they were alive last year. The other trees were, were dead two years ago. I pulled those up, but these, no, these are dead. So me and baby Bubba, that's my son, we get up and we go get the ladies some donuts and Malakoff, and we go and buy some hedge trimmers, and, and uh, then we come back to the house, and I'm showing him how to do that. We're, we're kind of shaping the trees and cutting the dead, the, the dead parts off of them. And I see little buds, little green buds growing on them, and I say, oh, okay, here we go. And, and that would have meant something different a long time ago, but we're sitting here, and we're trimming the tree up, and we're, 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 uh, we go and mow, my son and I go and mow, and then we come back, and we're sitting there resting, and I sit there for about two and a half hours just enjoying the day, my kids coming in and out, watching the goats, watching the wind blow across the water, the green... And, I, and I, I literally, I told Allie, I said, I think I've, after two and a half hours sitting there, I'm pretty sure I've watched the leaves grow on these trees. And she said, Well, maybe you maybe you just maybe you're just paying attention to the right thing. And and as I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I did. But the reality is, the the less I paid attention to what was dead, and the more I paid attention to what was living, what was happening, everything shifted. So. In that soul-restoring time that I was spending with the Lord, the tension went from things that are dead, things that need to be cut off, to things that are coming to life, that are being, that are being brought about in a life-giving way. And, and sometimes, we're so attached to things of the past that, that, that have died, that we're not willing to let go of. That we can't even see what is bringing life, what God is using to bring life to us in this season of life. Sometimes we're so focused on the problems and the struggles and the pains and the, the stuff of life that we're missing what God is doing in the midst of all of it. And we're, we're affected by it spiritually, emotionally, even physically, and it's affecting our families and our lives. But when we begin to shift to what, would, what is God actually doing, what is bringing life, what is happening, not what has happened, then everything begins to shift. And this is what Jesus was trying to do as well. And all day long, there, there are debates back and forth with, with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Jesus, and the crowd is rallying it and keeping it going The Pharisees are a religious sect and they are bound to tradition of men and the religious, in a religious way, the laws of God. And then the Sadducees, they always had a frown on their face because they were sad, you see. (laughs) They were another religious sect who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in spirits and they didn't believe in following the traditions of men. They just believed in following in a very explicit way, the, the, the laws of God. That's the only way back to God. And there was a crowd of people stirring it all up because every time there was a debate, and opinion, the crowds were moving it because the Pharisees and the Sadducees had been giving them their truths for so long. And now was this righteous man representative of the kingdom of God that they thought they knew about. And because he had the answers, it was making the Pharisees and the Sadducees look like they didn't have a clue. And now they were losing their authority over the crowd, and so it was on from there. And so all day, they, added, they, were, they debated and argued, and, and typically, these were half specialists in everything. So all of day three, here they are, Holy Week. They go back and forth with arguments, debates, expressions of calloused hearts. They're, they're, going, they're manipulating, they're playing the blame game, the downers and the complainers and the naysayers and the whiners. But when you look at Jesus among the complainer, the doubter, the debater, the whiners, you see a Savior who is strong and patient. He didn't get caught up in the conflict. He didn't get caught up in the argument. He didn't didn't feel like he needed to answer every one of their responses because he is the authority. He knew that even as he stood silent on the topics and the subjects in which they discussed, he was teaching the kingdom by example of just living. He knew where he stood. And how many of us, when we're nagged and nagged and complained towards and relentlessly being bothered by somebody, how many know at some point that water's going to boil over? I've had it. I lost it. And then the next thing I do takes 10 days to come overcome. <laughs> 10 days. But Jesus keeps his cool. Do you know why? Because Jesus is the authority. He stood on the righteousness of the kingdom. And it's like, like this when, you, when your kids ask if they can do something or if they can have something. And you're helping them grow, not just staunching them with no and hard no's and, and definitely no's. It's you're helping guide them through questions to the right solution or the righteous path for their lives. Even my daughter and my son do that, and so I, I'll they'll ask for something or ask to do something. I'll question them. I'll, I'll make them think about something else that they actually want, and then one of them will say, "Yeah, that's not a good idea." Like they they, they get it, they get it, but sometimes they just nag and nag and nag, and I no, when I, I say no. And then even this week, we were driving down the, we were driving in, in, in Ali's van, and I said no to whatever it was they were asking. And they're sitting there asking, Daddy and Daddy and Daddy. How many love that no, that, that noise? Daddy and Daddy and Daddy and Daddy. And then I'm not answering, and baby Bubba, who's three years old, he goes, he's not here. <laughs> and, and And Naomi's like... Daddy, why aren't you answering us? I said, kids, I've already answered you, and no is no. But then there's sometimes when kids go and do whatever it is that you already said no to, and you know why? Because they don't know that you're the authority. Or you haven't established yourself as the authority. And and we're children of God. And so I'm wondering how many times God has questioned us to something higher another way or said no, let's not, and yet we go and do anyway, because in this area, he hasn't been established in our hearts as the Lord in this space of our hearts, and it's the same way, and our kids need us, just like we need him to help establish those areas. So, so the arguments is are flaring up, and he gives them parables because He is trying to move them from the perspective that they have into the perspective of the reason that he even came to earth. He's slowly guiding them along. He was trying to give them a peek into the windows of their hearts, but on this day, they wouldn't allow their hearts to be open. And Jesus, it, and it was that way then, and it tends to be the same way today. And so for Matthew 21, 22, 23, he begins to, Jesus begins to unpack parables to give them perspective, hoping that they'll catch. That's where we have the, the wedding feast. And a, a father came and had a, a wedding for his son and, and invited the people that, that should have been there, but they were too busy. That was a picture of the, of the Jews, of the Israel. You're too busy. You got your religious duties, the things that you're doing that aren't bearing fruit. You're too busy. So I'm going to go out and send the, open the streets, open the doors for people who are in the streets to come in. They're not too busy. And so this parable after parable that Jesus is trying to teach them, it's not about your religiosity and your works and everything that you think you've earned. It's about my grace and what I'm doing, what the Father sent me to do. His message was the same all the way through. I love you. Come on in. I I love you. It's easy. And for some reason in our minds, we think we got to work for it, and if it's so free, then I don't want it. I don't know if I... No, there's a trick there's when the trampa is in Spanish there's a trick to this thing you know you want to give it to, you ever try to give something away to people like hey it's free you, they just walk around and away from you you can tell they're in need like they don't have shoes and you're giving shoes away they're like you mm-mm, not taking it there's a trick come on in Jesus like it's free come come on in come on and they're like, no, 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 we're good with what we've worked for. We deserve it. We deserve what we've earned, and you're not going to give this away for something we've already worked so hard to establish ourselves with. It's like you know, the, Jesus is sitting there, and I don't know if you have a family member. I'm sure you do, but I've I had a family member who went on to be with the Lord in January, and every time I would, I would call, call my grandmother, my like, grandma, I'm coming out to see y'all to have some lunch, and she knew about the time, it would, how long it would take for me to get there, and so she would be on the front porch swing, just swinging there, just happy as can be, giddy. You could just see it. Always wore red lipstick. Always had a red shirt, a blouse on, white hair, and a little red clip of a, of a butterfly. You could see it from a mile away. Just happy-go-lucky as, happy go as could be. I pull up. She see the dust flying. comes out. I'm thinking, there's only one driveway and nobody else lives around. It's 175 acres. Where else am I going? Of course, I'm coming there. But she like happy. Like, come on in. Come, come on in. And honestly, it was that same kind of love that drew me into the Lord because no matter what I was doing in life, my grandma was like, come on in. Where'd that thing go? Come on in. And I realized that's exactly how Jesus was for me whenever she led me to the Lord, no matter what I was doing, had gone through. Come on in. Come on in. I love you. I've, here, I've come here for you. I stepped down from eternity to come down to spend time with you. Come on in. It's time to come home. Come to salvation. Come to find rest for your soul. I sent my prophets, he said. I sent my messengers, but you wouldn't hear them. Matthew 23, he's explaining to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you, you, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent, sent to you, how often I have longed to gather, you for your, gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. Look. Your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's saying, listen, all this stuff that you're doing for your, for your own good, it's not the way to the Father. It's just saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, I confess, you are the Lord over all of my life. And it's all, he's saying, it's all good. Just look to me. I'm going to gather you, I'm going to protect you, but you have to look through, look at me through it all. But the religious folk were offended because they had worked for it, and he was tearing their castles down. Matthew 24, he continues in verse 1. When Jesus went, went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple, and Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, a questioning it again, surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them and says, Take heed. And he begins to unpack what's going to happen. And he begins to with the authority to give them assurance that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. Trial everywhere, war, rumors of war. This is where he begins to break this down. It's going to be okay. And then he explains why. Matthew twenty four ten. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. Love in the world begins be, begin to decrease. People who were once filled with love will begin to co- grow cold towards others. There'll be distractions everywhere. There'll be a lot of offense amongst the brethren all over the world. There's offense. And he says, those who were so passionate about love and loving others Just grow cold. The the systems of the world have become so chaotic, there's nothing for us to hold on to, so I just give up. Sounds very familiar right now. There's nothing that actually is what it says it's going to be, or it is what it used to be, and I'm exhausted trying to figure it out, so my love has grown cold. I quit until y'all figure it out. Offense. Offense distractions. I'm just going to get busy, last week's message, I'm going to get busy doing something else to keep my attention until y'all figure this thing out. And now nobody's invested and involved. Love in the world begins to decrease, but then he responds to these three assurances that we all have even through this season moving beyond. But he who endures, endures, Jesus says, to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And the end will come. How does he know that? Because he is the authority. Jesus gives us these three core assurances in life right here. COVID, Putin, Russia. The gas prices, the drive through line takes forever now. DoorDash, where are they? I called them an hour ago. I'm offended. I'm going to give that DoorDash driver a piece of my mind when he shows up. Tip, nope. I <laughs> ain't having it. There's an author to the stability behind every instability. And Jesus is in charge of the present the past, and the future. The number one assurance he gives is a victory. Keep your faith, and you'll be saved. Hold on to it. We're talking about enduring for joy. Endurance is a decision. Literally, endurance means to grab a hold of something like a cat claw grip. It's not a good idea. It's just a good idea. The Bible's a good idea. Reference it whenever you need it. No, I'm going to grab a hold of it. I'm going to endure through this trial, this season of life with the word of God and the voice of God because it is the only thing that is going to get me through. And he says 100% of 100% who will grasp, will endure, will lay a catclaw hold to the word of God and persevere, Who he who endures to the end will be saved. So if my, my path of salvation is clawing the word of God through every one of my situations and truly making him Lord over my circumstances of life, then that's what I need to do. And number two is this. He says assurance of mission. The mission is that the gospel of God, of Jesus Christ, will be preached. Even in Ukraine and Russia right now, it will and it is being preached. We're connected to a church network. My pastor is telling me he's also oversight pastor of a Russian pastor in the Washington area, and he says by internet he had to leave Russia because the KGB kicked him out. By internet, the word of God is exploding through Russia. That's good news. Ukraine, right now, because of the oppression, people are being the hands and feet of Jesus, not just preaching the gospel, but being the gospel. It is being spread. CNN, the the constant negative news, is not not going to talk about that, but it's happening. Good news. Keep praying for Ukraine, though, and the people who are uh, 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 being, being tortured by that. Assurance of completion. Number three. The end will come. Good news, guys. Don't worry about the end. It's coming. <laughs> Sometimes we're so afraid of something coming to an end. Well, it's coming. Don't be afraid about it. Because he, he says, if you'll just endure to the end, you'll be saved. The gospel's going to be preached in the meantime, and then the time is coming. It's going to end, and when, he, when it ends, he shows up. And then he starts giving further assignments from there. Matthew 25, 35 and 46. He gives his assignment. He says, Don't be busy doing things in the temple through uh, your own good, your own what's benefits for you, but for the sake of others. It's about my presence and the benefit of others, the glory of God and the good of all mankind. He says, get busy doing the right things. Matthew 25, 36, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And they're like, when did I do this? I don't remember seeing you, Jesus, in person whenever I showed up to these places. And the righteous will say this. Lord, we, don't, we didn't see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink. When did we see that? When did we see you, a stranger, and take you in? I don't remember that. Or, or naked and clothe you. I would have remembered. Or when did we see you sick or in prison or come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And assuredly, as you took peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and some churros and drinks up to the mountain village and served these little kids and taught them how to pray, you weren't doing them to the kids, it was Jesus. And assuredly as the, the person who comes through the church or, or through the county or, or you see them and, and God just prompts something, to the Holy Spirit moves you to just speak life and to begin to assist. You're not doing it to the person, you're doing it to Jesus. And he's changing the dynamic of which we think because we're too busy. Remember the people who were invited to the wedding ceremony for the son? I'm too busy. I, I know the Holy Spirit is prompting me to, but I just can't fit it in my schedule because I've already filled my schedule with things that lack eternal value. I'm busy. And Jesus is saying, but when the end comes, don't be found doing busyness, your own busyness. He says, be found about my business. Be found doing these things because when we're being, we're doing these things, we're doing it to him and furthering his kingdom. He says, when you're found, this is what enduring looks like. It's doing the work of the Father, the will of the Father. I, uh, I grew up in a, in a small town, and uh, we had we, we I grew up sorry nine nine years old playing little league baseball and flag football, and my dad was my coach, and there was another little uh, boy uh, Zeke Williams was uh, drafted. My my dad saw him and said, Hey, I want that kid on my team. Zeke spent almost every summer, a lot of our base, our teammates would from baseball, sent every summer, and uh, football as well, with us. And so we had a brotherhood relationship. And I, I, so when I, I was growing up, about 11, I moved to another school in a, a town away, 30 minutes away, for about a year and a half. And then I moved to the school that Zeke was going to. And how many know when you go to a new school, you're going to get hazed a little bit because everybody's going to see... Who's the buck, in the, ta- buck in, the, in the streets? And so that would start to take place. I remember it taking place. And then all of a sudden, Zeke would walk around the corner and show up. They didn't know I had a trump card. Zeke shows up. Everybody backs off because they, know, they, they realize, oh, Zeke knows him. And he knows Zeke. When we'd be on the baseball fields or playing backyard or, or pickup games, we used to play together. We would play together in the little leagues. They didn't know this, so we'd show up. I was quarterback, and I just all I have to do is give Zeke the ball, and we, we're, we're, we just punish people. Now, everybody thought, "Well, we're going to we got this. It's going to be all right." They just got Zeke, but then we show up. The game changed when we when we came together. The game changed. See, Jesus, I mean, see, Zeke would show up, and he had authority. They respected him because he was a great athlete. He was strong. He was the biggest in the class. When he showed up, the game would change. But Jesus has all authority, and when he shows up, everything's change. Everything changes, and Jesus' desire here on earth is to partner with you to change the environment in which you wi- you live, you walk, and you and you do your day-to-day business. I mean, I'm going I'm to drive that home right there. He gives you assurance because he has the authority to give you assurance. And then he puts us on assignment. And so many people think, man, i got to make all these drastic changes and do things completely different. God has already placed you in a place that he wants to shift your focus. Man, what I'm doing, it just has no life to it. I just don't know. I, just, I enjoy it. Everything's great. But there's just something about it. Sometimes we're focused on the dead things of life. And here God is trying to change our perspective. Say, what if you continued to do what you were doing, but you gave it an eternal focus? What if you, what if you started to see what was life-giving in the very thing in which I have planted you? What if you started using where you're at to lead others, to feed others? To clothe others, to better the lives of others. What if, what if instead of you saw the death, you started seeing what was very life-giving where you're at? I want to pray for, if you will. He says, if you'll focus on my business, man, I'll take care of all the rest. Oh, you're worried about your family? Don't worry about that. Focus on my business. I'll take care of your family. As we focus. On what is his, he takes care of what is on our part. So, Father, right now, just pray that you shift our focus. That in any area where you're not Lord over our lives, Lord, that you begin to help us through the beauty of your questioning so that we find a better answer than what we came in here with. Father, strengthen us. Reassure us, help us to see the assignment that you have us placed right where we are here and now for. Father, I pray for every heart who's struggling, who's dealing with dead things. I pray that you bring our attention to the life, life-giving, to strengthen, to restore. And I just pray this right now. There's a burden on my heart. Father, we pray. For the restoration of what has been lost, the reconciliation of things that have been broken over the last two years. Father, we pray for these restoring and reconciling relationships, things, hopes, dreams, opportunities, finances. Father, we pray for your will in our lives. We pray that you strengthen us on mission. We thank you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.